0: Welcome back to the Head, Heart, and Boots podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Brandon. Join us as we wrestle with what it takes to transform
1: ourselves and the businesses we lead. I
0: don't know. What'd you think? I don't know. was kind of serious. Should we laugh? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the floodlight. Friday live stream. I actually have to be very intentional about saying that. You don't want to f that up. See, yeah. oh, dude, oh, that can was such take a, it easy with the f bombs. That was such a. We one. just got a message from Jana, our <laughs> artistic director, our creative savant. She said, "Hey, I just reviewed the podcast you guys recorded last week. Do you want me to edit out some of the f bombs?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, if she's asking that, there. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that means there's quite a few F-bombs in there. Yeah, you know, we may
1: have tiptoed a little too far over the over the line. But your, your you kids know, that are out of the house, you guys have,
0: you know... We're not... Uh, listen, we're in the construction industry. That's right? it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So anyway, we're not editing out the F-bombs. So if you like that or don't, right, be, be mindful of that podcast. It's probably coming out next week. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this post thing. We talk about prison. To. Yeah, we did. I guess that's why it was... We'll just leave the context for the podcast. If you talk about prison, you have to cuss. Look Look at us getting all clever. Okay, I'm going to start kind of keep it light at first here. I have a a podcast recommendation (laughs) because you guys know where we go, right? I mean, the whole purpose... So I'll go back. Let me open this up appropriately. So part of the impetus behind this, not to take anything away from Brandon's role, was just, I love on Fridays, I've been trying to do this for a while. You've probably done a version of this too. on no. On a day of the week. No. Fridays, I've always tried to find at least a little bit of time, whether it's in the afternoon or first thing in the morning, to just have, have some pause, have a reflection time. Think about, okay, what, what's taken place so far this week? Good, bad, and ugly, right? Where have I come from this week? Okay, what's ahead? And, and also just, some ideation, right i don't really have an agenda for my time on fridays and, and in a way this this floodlight Friday live stream is kind of that for me right? so i I have some ideas that we will go through here, and that's part of my reflection this morning so anyway that's that's the genesis of this whole thing and it's a variety show it's going to be different every week a couple of weeks ago we had one that was pretty like technical heavy yeah you know we talked about I think training techs or onboarding technicians or something like that. And and we got some good feedback from it other times, as you guys know, right? It's head heart and boots, you know, for us. So it's, it's all the things. And we've got a pretty eclectic mix today. Business breakdowns. I've talked about this podcast. Brandon still hasn't listened to an episode. I'm not holding it against him, but <laughs> yeah. what I love about it is it's it's kind of like a street MBA, you know, for those of you that are that wanna learn and want to learn more about other businesses outside of our industry and just how business models work and how people are making money and all that kind of stuff. Um, They, they basically have the host is one of those, you know, Wall Street guru, MBA, Harvard guys, you know, analyst, you know, essentially an an investor business analyst. And then the guest is always an executive or shareholder or founder or something of the featured business. And, uh, or sometimes it's an industry analyst that's been following that company for a long time and they basically spend 45 minutes to an hour breaking down how does this business make money? What's their historical trend? Like what challenges have they faced and what's their position in the market and all this kind of stuff. I find it really interesting and I'm not necessarily wired for that MBA, Harvard business, all the highfalutin stuff, but I, they kind of break it down into concepts that are really easy to understand and follow the kind of the 30,000 foot view. But this episode I want to recommend is on Berkshire Hathaway, right? Warren Buffett. They go deep. This guy has been covering Berkshire Hathaway for 25 years, this wow. analyst that's on it. Yeah, well. And so it's just really fascinating. He talks about some of the failures. I mean, Warren Buffett has not had all W's, right? He's had some some L's in the in the in the last column. And and so it's just really interesting to hear about some of the, the history of Berkshire Hathaway, but, but overall, the trend of leadership and the discipline that they exercise in their business, all the things, how they've set themselves up for success. I mean, fanatical success, right? So I want to recommend that. Business Breakdowns, you can, I listen to it on Spotify, but you, all, the, you know, all the platforms. And look for the Berkshire Hathaway episode. I want to have a little sales post because we had a Restoration Sales 2.0 yeah. webinar yesterday. Yeah. By the way, those of you who are watching this, if you wanted to go to that Restoration 2.0 sales thing and you couldn't make it for some reason or you wanted a team member to go, make a comment here on the post and we'll make sure that we invite you to the next one because inevitably we're going to have another commercial sales webinar coming up at some point. Yeah. So we can tag you or shoot you a DM when we go to do that, but just yeah, drop it, a comment. In there. It'll probably be slightly different too.
1: So we, I think we're going to clean up that recording. Maybe just kind of bookend it. Oh, okay. We could get that
0: out too, so we we can follow up. Yeah, we'll up be so posting that. like a like a greatest hits, you know, from it or whatever, <laughs> Jana. Our, <laughs> our, our fearless artistic director is... The uh, she's going to slice and dice and kind of put together a more abbreviated version of it. It's it, a four CD box set. Yeah. So I just yeah. had a thought as I was in the shower this morning, just kind of thinking uh, about sales and about just where our industry is at with sales, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I thought you were going to say toilet. No, so nah, the that thought that... Like I, thought, I put it in my Apple notes. If you're not a sales organization, like if you don't have a sales operation in your business, you're ultimately beholden to somebody for your work. Yeah. Like that's the thought that came to me. And, and I think a lot of restoration companies are in that position where they maybe are being very successful, uh, you know, doing TPAs and Google PPC and national accounts and all these other sources, right. That we begin to depend on for our revenue. But I just, I just had this thought of just how precarious that is. And, and I think all of us feel it. And those of you that don't have an active sales operation, I think you, you know what I'm talking about. It's, and, and I wrote here, it's as though you're employed and depending on others for your paycheck. So if you don't have a sales operation in place right now, you don't have somebody that's developing referral partner relationships and or a direct commercial B2B sales leader, who's your employer? right? Who are you working for? Who's in control of your livelihood? Your people's livelihood. Who's putting bread on the table? Because you you are in some way or in multiple ways, you're you're beholden to them, right? And of course, you know all of us are familiar with the burden that TPA's place. They give us gifts, right? But they demand a lot in return. And what is that overhead? What is that costing your business? What what's the obligation anyway? So I just leave with that. We do have. I guess I should a perfect bookend to that would be. Um, we have a flash sale going on our commercial sales master course. I kind of teed that up perfectly. Oh enough. wow. Yeah, that was Forty percent off the normal price. Anyway, we'll link to that in the in the show comments. All right, let's let's get into another topic. I know you had something that you wanted to talk about from yesterday. We had a learning experience. <sighs> we had a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. Learning experience. Bit of an ego check.
1: Oh hardcore. Would I would probably throw it in that category. Yeah. But, so here's here's kind of the stage. I'll set the stage. So we had a project. We've been working on that we put together. And we had a couple partners helping us with the project. And one of these individuals, extremely experienced, has done this kind of thing a, a million times. And it was part of the reason we really wanted their help was that this individual had the background, the experience, and and the know-how to do it. And inevitably, as the project went on, Chris and I are basically being naive and not having the skill set or the background in this before we were providing all of this. Let's let's call it help, right? So we're we're communicating. We don't realize that both of us are actually communicating at this individual and and providing help and insight and direction from our perspective ended up becoming like this thing where this individual was being bombarded with direction. Where again, from our perspective, it was help. Like we were just providing information Mm. and this individual was being bombarded and of
0: course that creates the scenario where there's and and you and i and and so part of it is you and i uh we do this all the time in our work like you and i are texting each other back and forth and it's part it's part of the mojo or or even just habit uh with our consulting is oftentimes we're giving each other cues follow-up questions that come to one or both of our minds, you know, like yeah. uh, in our conversations with clients and stuff, we're constantly yep. texting each other cues on iMessage just to, to focus and redirect conversations and, and emphasize certain things, follow-up questions, all that kind of stuff. We it's do so, it in our show. We oh, we do, do it, it all, all like the time during podcasts and everything yeah. else. And, and so we were essentially in a project meeting doing this with a person. There was some other people present for that meeting and, and, I, I think ultimately we were just stressing them The, the oh, freak out. Yeah.
1: But not not only were we stressing them out, and this is the part I think that sucked, was we were, from their perspective, we were aggressively offending them. I think. I mean, that's... Well, yeah, that's, that's true. That, that's what I'm afraid happened. Like the sentiment is we were giving all this direction. Direction to an expert. To an expert, right? And I, I was thinking about it last night a little bit and I was having a conversation with my wife about it. And it would be like, you know my son's really smart. He's in school right now. He's studying psychology. He's very confident about his academics and he does a great job. It's very impressive. Yeah. Well, when it comes to some of these realms of study because he's recently in it, meaning he's in the coursework, they're talking about it, he will often communicate stuff to me as if no one else on the planet has ever heard these things, right? And he's not being offensive. He's He's excited, he's in the moment, he's giving input, and he doesn't realize at times how much he's offending me from the perspective of storing my head is I'm making all these assumptions like he's talking at me mm. because he knows so much about this topic. And for me, as a 45-year-old male, we've had a lot of life under our belt, and these are things that we've experienced firsthand, right? Mm. Silly, Right but i think we were doing something similar we're bombarding this individual with direction with communication with insight with all of these things and we don't realize the whole time it's like it w- again it was me telling the expert what to do of
0: after course. we invited the expert to, to do their expert thing yeah to
1: do their thing so i i think the long and short of it is, in terms of this particular experience is it was completely accidental it was it was us not knowing better, it doesn't. We are fully responsible for the outcome. It is Chris and I's fault that that was not handled better, and we created the scenario completely out of accident. Though, like our mindset wasn't directed at that. And and here's what I ended up kind of wrestling with this morning about it.
0: You, you were gonna. I, I was just you. gonna say. I mean the great, the great irony. I mean this this wasn't the first time where I've done a version of this or felt the way I feel now and did after the fact. <laughs> But the great irony is just this dis this total disconnect of in the moment. I thought all of my intention was it was helping. Yeah, like that's just the great irony is it wasn't until after the fact of getting this person's feedback that I realized. Oh man, oh, man it was not. It, it it did not come across that way, and it really probably wasn't helpful at all. No, you know, just, just yeah. r- realizing in hindsight just how stressful that must have been while you're trying to. A do your thing in a project environment, and you've got two people yeah. that are chatting you up. Wow! In the midst of it, it's like, oh, man. oh yeah, it was total chaos. How embarrassed! You know, it was yeah. just one of those moments of oh, embarrassment. I was embarrassed.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. But I think we, you and I, both made that comment immediately. Is we were just kind of ashamed. Like, oh man, what a real foul! Like we. And we felt misunderstood, of course, oh, too, because done. we're like, Oh no, that wasn't our intent. So guys, gals, leaders, here's what I was thinking at like post event mm. is I was thinking like, and, and I've done this as, as a parent, like I've had conversations, even as a, a spouse, a partner, I've had these kinds of conversations with my wife where I feel like in the moment, my intent is to provide information, direction, quotes, help. And I think what I don't realize at times is I could very well be bombarding someone with useless direction in my effort to help. And in conjunction with that, I'm probably offending them because I haven't done a good enough job to really understand their knowledge base, their perspective, their goal, their plan. Or I'm
0: just flat out being impatient.
1: Um, or that. Yeah. I think those are the harder ones, right? To To draw connection to because at the end of the day, our intent is let's let's help the team get to this end goal that we're really excited about achieving, right? Yeah. But we're we're making a mess in line. And so I was just thinking about this as leaders is how many times with our teammates, with our downline employees, thought about this a lot with our with our leadership teams, is how many times did I walk into a situation and I'm providing direction and input and I'm inserting my perspective into the situation? Again, all from the position of, I feel like I'm helping. I feel like I'm providing assistance to the success of the team.
0: And or I know what the situation requires.
1: I at least have a perspective, right? On what we want, yeah. what, what we want to see the outcome be and i and i think what what normally i would wrestle with and i think maybe what this topic would have looked like even a few weeks ago is more around i want to do less of that because i want to draw in someone's participation right so it's like i would almost be falsely holding back because my gut as a leader as a growing leader is i'm not going to talk at people because i want their input i want their engagement and i think what i realized yesterday is even in that perspective, I'm still coming at it like I know it all, right? Like I'm, I've got such a grip on what it is that I want my team to succeed at, but because I'm coaching them and I want their participation, I'm going to hold back some of that direction giving intentionally. And what I realized yesterday in this experience is I just straight up didn't know I was stepping on myself and that I was offending this individual. And so it was an eye-opener for me of... Mm-hmm. How many times I've approached an opportunity like this with this conscious awareness of, I'm going to hold back a little bit because I'm so smart and I want this individual to learn. And I realized, man, the same thing can happen in complete accident when when you're not trying to be that way. There was no intention. It was just a blooper on my part. And so I just think as leaders, it's a great opportunity for us to just stop for a second and remind ourselves, how valuable the people on our team's input and perspective is. Like really, not just because I want engagement from them, but because I honestly need to see and hear things from another set of eyes, Mm -hmm. another mind. I really want to continue to build teams that I'm actually hearing. Not just coaching because I'm so smart, but that I'm actually hearing their input and having them lead me at times. Like this was a perfect scenario we were meant to be led and we didn't allow that to happen, Yeah, right? Yeah. And it created some some poor outcomes. So I think that's just where I went this morning thinking about this. So as you guys just kind of like process through some of the interactions that you have with leadership teams or department heads or even our technicians in the field, it's so easy for us to write off their perspective or their input or to provide too much direction because we're helping develop them or we're helping uh, achieve the outcome that we need. And that can be hard, I think that's part I think that crosses over into people being challenged by delegating right and equipping downline team members to really participate or own their portion of the house. so anyways, I don't know what else do you want to add to that? this is kind of where i
0: was I was coming or or yeah, I ended up going another that. another angle I wanted to talk about is just the aftermath of those kind of situations, yeah, for some leaders by the way, hello, Stephen, Christine, thank you. thank you for commenting watching so you and I use the Core Values Index yeah. with our clients, and it's for us. It's a combination of things. One, it gives us some insight into the clients we're working with and their leadership team. But yeah. it um, and so it helps us kind of rapidly get a, a deeper view of each of the people we're working with. And essentially, what it does is it scores people in a in a four quadrant matrix. Everybody has some mix of scores uh, in builder, merchant, innovator, and banker, mm-hmm. and all of these different values have specific default behaviors and instincts yep. You know yep. that they're characterized by. I'm a merchant innovator. You're a merchant builder. So both of us are high merchant. I'm, I'm really high merchant. And in my experience, about 25% or so of leaders uh, are merchants. Maybe 25-30% are merchants. And what merchants are characterized by is their their whole life outlook and their strategies are wrapped up in relationship, creating new relationships and maintaining relationships. And so you can see how that's really beneficial, sort of profile for an owner or a key leader or something, right? To be very relationally oriented. But you can also imagine some of the drawbacks. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the drawbacks I found of being a high merchant... So for those of you familiar with the CVI, I'm a 30 merchant, which is way up there on the scale Brandon, you're 26, I think. When you're on the high scale of merchant, one, the dark side of that archetype is, is that when there's a broken relationship, the merchant tends to spin out. Yeah, And I experienced this when we were operating in the field in restoration. Boy, you have a job that goes sideways with a new client, an old client, it doesn't matter. Client's yeah. unhappy with you. Yeah. When a merchant receives that call from the client or, or hears even from a team member, oh yeah, so-and-so is really upset with how things went, it's debilitating yeah. for a merchant. Now, one of the things about the merchant is they tend to be very buoyant, which is why they're so adept at sort of building and maintaining relationships is they still get mad, angry, disappointed, melancholy, depressed, all those things when a bad thing happens, but they tend to recover pretty quickly. Yeah. But boy, I'll tell you what, like yesterday when this happened, I was just like the fear I felt of a broken relationship potentially, you know? Even though we had a good conversation with this person after the fact, there was just still this burden of, oh man, I, they're—I think they're just being nice to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't know if they really forgive us because, like, boy, well, we really did. It, it was—it was not great, and, and so I was just laboring over that over the evening and just trying to get centered back down to okay, screwed up, apologized, owned it. They said we're good, and just rest in that. But I'm just—I I think for. For a lot of owners and key leaders in this industry that are like you and I with this really high relational anchoring, it's something to be aware of. Like For me, I'm really trying to get more in touch with that and and not let it torpedo me quite as much because I'm just spinning out. And we see this with high merchant sales reps in our industry because there's so much that can go wrong. In yeah. our business right? right it's complicated it's a complicated yeah. business, a lot of moving parts, a lot of a lot of characters you know involved in the process anyway and so it's something for those of you that know and, and if you don't know what your sales how your salesperson's wired, you know get in touch with us, we'll do a CBI with them, whatever but if you've got high merchant players on your team, just understand like hey, that's a that's a real thing when there's some kind of break in a relationship, what happens with the merchant is. They almost can't focus on anything else but trying to repair that relationship and trying to make it right. And not everything can be made right, so to speak. You know, it's not always like, hey, I kicked a soccer ball through your you know living room window, and I can pay for it, and and then we move on. Like some of the things that happen in business and relationships, there is no way to just cure that. Yeah, that thing we did, you know. And so I don't know that there's actually a directive there. I think it's more just like, huh, okay, This just something I was feeling and. I think it's actually helping me. It's a little bit therapeutic, me just saying it out loud. To get it out. Yeah, just to get
1: it out there, right? Well, and I think there's a counter to that, right? So, as leaders in our businesses, we—I mean, if we overly generalize, you end up falling in one of these two categories. And one is you're the overly emotionally connected, or let's call it the more emotionally connected to the relationship between you and your and your downlines. Or you fall into this category where you're a little bit more utilitarian in nature, and it's like you know, fire and forget. Like we we address the thing, I've moved on. There's no emotional context or baggage for me. Everybody should be fine. So I'd say, you know, like if you're what you just described is more that individual that tends to be weighted heavier in the relationship side, and then those that don't. I think the reminder for us is it's almost harder for us to place ourselves in a position where we want to be hearing and engaged by our downlines because we are so utilitarian in nature. So it's like we're looking for the win. I don't care how we get there. It's black and white. It's yes or no. Boom, get the win, move on. Mm. Um, And and so we we in those cases, I'm saying we like I'm in that. I'm I'm really more on the relational side too but that that can be very difficult to manage it's funny cuz this actually tied into a conversation i was having with my my son yesterday so we my daughter's birthday we're having a barbecue my son was over and my son and i are in this unique place in our relationship where we you know i i think a lot of you experience this where you do a little of when they're young we're really close and then there's this interesting gap that gets created when they go through kind of their late teens maybe early teens for some of you. And then that kind of verges back again as they get into their young 20s. And my son and I are in this convergent stage again where he and I are just really beginning to bond again relationally. And it's pretty exciting. I like it. And my son has gotten far more aggressive about like asking me questions as he's sharing his life and talking about professional endeavors and education and things like that. And we were having this discussion about drive, internal drive, and he was talking about. And he does it like he, the kid gets more than a four point. Like he's just really driven with school. He's been working really hard, lots of hours. And he talked about this space where he has a tough time taking a day off because he feels in that lack of productivity, he's not living up to some standard for himself or whatever. And this, you and I have talked about. This, this is a wrestling match that I even have with myself. Mm-hmm. And it, the beautiful thing about being in a relationship with somebody that that's maybe a few steps behind you, and whether it be development in your career or age or experience in relationships, is as you begin to talk to them and give them some direction and some insight, it's such a great learning lessons for yourself again. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you think about it in a different way because this person's asking almost for insight or teaching on it. And so, anyways, we we're talking about this topic. And, and one of the things I pointed out to him, and it's funny how it just comes back to this, and maybe this was on my mind and why it led there. The challenge that we have is that we can all tend to fall into a category where we get very good at creating time and dedication to learning a new skill set. Whether it be professionally, getting good grades, working hard, we're excited to have 60-hour work weeks, not because we actually like it, but because we're going to tell somebody at the next. Event that we're doing these 60-hour work weeks or whatever the case may be. But we're not good about giving ourselves the time to develop the internal skill sets, mm. balance in our soul where we're not so emotionally driven by our environment. We talk about this stuff all the time.
0: All right, let's take a minute to recognize and thank our Mitresto Mastery sponsor, Accelerate Restoration Software. And I'm fully aware, by the way, that when I say those last two words, restoration software, that that instantly creates heartburn for some of you out there, right? Because we probably all fall into one of two camps when it comes to software. We've either cobbled together kind of a version of free website tools and spreadsheets just to make our business work, or we're in the camp where we've adopted one of these existing restoration platforms, you know, one that has all the bells and whistles and supposedly does it all, but we can't get our team to consistently adopt it and input information to it.
1: Yeah, and that's really where Accelerate has honed their focus. They've created a system that's simple, right? It's intuitive. And it focuses on the most mission critical information, i.e. guys, your team will actually use it.
0: Let's talk about sales. Right After years of leading sales and marketing teams, the biggest trick is getting them to consistently update notes about their interactions with referral partners and clients. And the essential piece there is there's got to be a mobile app experience. And in our experience, The solutions that were previously out there were just too cumbersome and and tricky to use. Yeah. Imagine, guys, how your business would
1: change if your entire team was actually consistently using the system. Do yourself a favor, go check these guys out at excelrestorationsoftware.com forward slash MRM and check out the special offers they're providing
0: to MRM listeners. All right, let's talk about actionable insights. Owners, GMs, you can't be your business's expert on all things estimating. You might've been three years ago when you're writing sheets in the field, but the industry is always changing and so are the tools. If you're the smartest person in the room when it comes to Xactimate Matterport, how does that scale? You're the bottleneck. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this is where Actual Insights comes in. They're a technical partner that can equip your team with the latest bleeding edge information and best practices and then update them with webinars and training resources when the game inevitably changes again. For this reason, we recommend actual insights to all of our clients. Yeah, three of the kind of big things that stuck out to me
1: when being introduced to to AI and their team. First off is this consistently updated training. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are the experts. They're out front all the time. They're constantly learning new trade secrets and ensuring that your team's got access to those things. A 3,700 plus page database of Xactimate templates. I don't know what else to say here other than don't reinvent the wheel. It's already available. Download it, copy it, use it, bam. Database of commonly missed items. I think this is huge. So many of us can change the numbers by just moving the needle a couple points. And those commonly missed items can make all the difference in the world. So go check them out at value.getinsights.org FCG. So here's where I was going with this with my son. My son and I both share a trait. That is, we can tend to get very heated up in a moment like a flash fire. And as I've gotten older, this has been something that both out of just experience and age is getting less, and I've been intentionally working on it. So my point is, right, is that my son is younger, and so he's still kind of in the throes of these flashpoints. And we've had multiple scenarios where a, a flash point happens. The experience is not fun. The conversation doesn't go well. And from my perspective, sorry, son, with a little bit more time under my belt is I'm looking at the situation and I'm I'm just thinking to myself, my son is totally going to be embarrassed later when he thinks about this because it's the behavior doesn't match the situation. There's, you know, scope and scale is not in alignment. It's it's just a mistake and he's burning bridges. He's hurting relationships and he doesn't realize it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Inevitably, though. He's a smart kid, he thinks about it, he processes, he comes back, and he apologizes, we talk about it. But the damage has already been done. Mm. And this is the thing that I have wrestled with for years, and we've talked about, it. you've been an influence on me helping me get better at it -- is for, like I'm an eight on the Enneagram. and what that means is, is that I can get into a heated situation. When the situation's over, I'm done. Like we had our thing. It's not forever. It's not meant to affect our relationship forever. I'm done. I've moved on. But what I've done is left that sticky residue. Mm. I've hurt something. I've affected that relationship trust, You know, whatever the case may be, in a way that over time, maybe the majority of it will be overcome. But no matter what, I degraded that account in some way. Mm. So anyways, I'm talking to my son about this and I'm like, look, the, the, the win... Is when you begin to give time to tools and skill sets that help you prevent the flashpoint from happening in the first place. Because even if you're smart enough and aware enough to apologize later, the damage was done, period. You can't undo the yeah. negative impact. And I think what I'm wrestling with, with what happened yesterday, is no matter what happens, like I trust that this individual is a professional, we're professionals, we're gonna move on, it's gonna be okay but our naiveness, our mistake left some damage there that changed that relationship. No matter how mature we all are, it doesn't look exactly the same than it did that when we made that mistake. And so my encouragement to us as leaders is the win is not being aware enough to apologize later. That is definitely a step in the right direction and it's definitely a level of maturity we're searching for. Mm. But the win is, can we do a better job of not getting caught up in the moment and and having the flashpoint in the first place? So I think these two, they are slightly different, but they parallel each other. And it's this idea of, is there a way for us to approach experiences and circumstances with more questions and asking for more insight and leadership and communication before we start inserting aggressively or reacting or responding or doing Slow down and don't do immediately, but gather more information. And oh, I think yeah. we get wins in both of those categories if we do more of that. And again, this is for me, right? It's like this is my own lesson. Oh, dude! Well, uh, this morning,
0: you know what else it reminds me of is that conversation with Dan Pink about regret. Oh, big time! Like, so for us, you know, it's sitting in the regret. Long, I really appreciate what you just said. I think it's very true. It's like there is damage that's done. Yeah, and it's like okay. If you've been damaged in interaction, it's okay to acknowledge that and, and that there's going to need to be some kind of repair. And I think the same thing is true with like our children and our marriage relationships and everything else. Yeah, we can we can apologize and we can be sincere and genuine. but there is a rebuilding, yeah, that has to be tended to. and I think that's part of that whole concept of regret that Dan Pink was talking about, which is it's kind of important to sit in the embarrassment that regret the the shame of oh man i behaved badly and and this was how the other person felt to so just really it's almost like we're creating an important file in yeah. our brain yes so when we get back like the next time you and i get back into that project environment that we were in there's this monument in our brain of, oh yeah okay <laughs> okay chris it's also about like that article i wrote in cnr part of you's not going to like this yeah it's like oh whoa okay part of me is feeling Really, I mean, I think in this, I think there was an aspect in this whole project example of it was definitely like I was in that tunnel vision, what I wanted for this whole experience. For everybody, it was, it was a it was a universal want, and that I just wanted this project to be as awesome as possible. But in that tunnel vision, I was totally disconnected from the roles and relationships and the things involved. And I was just inserting. Oh, I was yeah. just like. I was, so there was, it was a control thing. Like, I think, I think ultimately it was my ego that, hey, I want to create this outcome. I'm taking responsibility for the whole thing, even though I have partners in this thing. Yep. And I'm inserting myself because I want it to come off a specific way that I want it to come off. Yeah. And so I think, so part of me was feeling really controlling. Part of me was feeling anxious that it wasn't going to go exactly how I wanted. Which is so funny because typically I'm not a perfectionist guy. Yeah. You know, but but there was something about that moment where I was just really trying to pull the levers and flip the switches and all these text messages, go here next, let's do this next and and that kind of... Anyway. So I think there's something about that regret of it's okay to just wallow in that briefly long enough to be like, okay, yeah, that was crummy. I don't want to repeat that.
1: Yeah. You know, and again, it's like we got to keep balancing this. It's funny; one of the viewers is saying, "I needed to hear this." Like, I'm I'm into the leadership piece, and I, I think the balance of this always is like, again, I think for the highly relational side, we're more quick to be worried about how that experience went and what that exchange felt like. And I think, again, for for our more utilitarian-driven drivers, yeah. it's going to look different, but it's just as important. I, I think that those folks, and I fall into this category, definitely more than you, but I fall into this category from time to time, different seasons, is it's like I don't even ever circle around to know there was a problem in the first place. And that can be really dangerous. So here's here's my last thing on this, and we'll put it to bed, is you know, a lot of you right now are talking about how to develop your teams and engagement and, and recruitment and all these things because we're a we're a, a woman man power business, right? We're service industry, and I think we get caught up in it's like these benefit packages or I have to give these kinds of pay scales and I have to provide X Y Z, you know, ping pong tables and a you know whatever. I think there's some truth to those things. Yes. But I can tell you from rich experience, you're going to earn more loyalty, engagement, recruitment power if you're better at not making the same mistake that we made yesterday. Yeah. As key leaders, whether you're the business owner, a general manager, a sales team lead, or whatever, our win in terms of culture is getting better at engaging our people, not out of coaching, consulting, because we're so smart, Having these flashpoints and telling your people, you just got to get used to me. This is who I am. But I am apologetic. I'm sorry. We got to get better at remembering that people actually have true inherent value that they're bringing to our team. It's why we have a team. They have thoughts, perspectives. They're closer to my client than I am. They're closer to the ground than I've been in a number of years, whatever the case may be. The better job we do is realizing they actually have input that's valuable and I want to slow down enough to hear their insight and ask questions and identify with certainty where they stand and where they're at in this particular endeavor, the more loyalty and engagement you're going to get from your people because they're going to love you. Mm -hmm. They're going to respect you because they feel that first and, Mm -hmm. and in return by the way that you're interacting with them. And I, it's like we see this all the time with teams. They're very large and they're doing the same stuff we're all doing. And they're having no recruitment problems whatsoever. And some of that is coming out of the market that they're in. But a big chunk of it is coming from they've created an environment like this. And people want other people to come work there because they know how rad it is. Yeah. Right. So okay, yeah. let's put that one to bed. Hopefully some of you can relate to that.
0: We can keep moving, <laughs> keep trucking forward. I know I was trying to think of, well, first of all, I'm still struggling. Do we want? Do we look at the camera? Do we look at the audience or do we look at each I other? I feel really awkward. And then sometimes when I glance down here and see my face, I'm like giving myself a side eye. It's weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had some other notes. I just feel like, oh, people are going to get so sort of, it's heavy. Like we're talking about the internal stuff. I, 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 I did have just one last thought and maybe this is actually a way to close out just this whole thing of processing a failure and whatever my, I have this friend, a childhood friend that I reconnected with recently He lives in Colorado. And I, I grew up going to church with this guy He's four or five years older than me. And I always, he's one of those older kids that I really admired. Yeah. He's a piano player and a singer, which is part of my background. And we reconnected randomly about a year ago. And so we have these calls every three or four months. And, his name is Ryan. And he told me, he said, he has a therapist he went to in the past. And he just said this really interesting thing that just stopped me dead in my tracks. His therapist told him one time, he said, Ryan, you are so much smaller than you think you are. Oh, wow. I was like, what kind of thing is that to say? (laughs) Uh, For a therapist, you know? But then, he went on to explain it and what the value was for him And hearing that. And I'm like, "Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so important." <laughs> and I was thinking, it came to my mind last night. I went home and I was doing jump rope because I'm like, oh, "I need, I need to blow off some steam. I need to get recentered. My head's spinning out." And so I'm doing jump rope, but I'm still thinking. I'm still spinning out. And then the voice of my friend Ryan came to my head and said, "You're so much smaller than you think you are, or than your thoughts tell you you are." And I was like, "What does that mean? What does that mean for me right now? I think I think what he means is is that our ego, we get so we get so dialed in on presenting ourselves um, and and having others see us as competent, successful, notable, um, interesting, special, um, above average an industry leader, a, a whatever. Yeah. Whatever our ego, like we have this image that we're trying to cultivate. All of us do. I mean, I, I I just think it's a function of the ego. And and then when something happens that that hits that image somehow, or potentially, Shakes it's like, oh my it. god, what does this person think of me now? Yeah. I think it's healthy, and probably why the therapist suggests it's healthy to say, okay, hold on, like you have this whole picture of you that you're trying to create for other people, this big, it's like there's this big banner over your head of I'm this big thing. And so the moment that that, you know, one of the grommets comes out of that banner and it flops over and half the message is missing, it's like you're crushed. You're like, what, what am I going to do to salvage my reputation with this person? And, and it, and it kind of goes in line with that, that old adage of People probably aren't thinking about you half as much as you as think you they think, are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And so I, I just I loved that. And for those of you that are dealing with you got egg on your face, you've eaten crow, you've 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 been a bad actor, you've done something wrong, you've been impatient, you all these things like we've been talking about. It also is important to be like, Okay, <laughs> who am I anyway? Yeah. Keep it in context. Like, we all we all screw up. Yeah. We're gonna screw up tomorrow the person that I hurt and offended, they're going to hurt and offend somebody. Like none of us are are pure actors. Nah. We're all figuring this out as we go, you know? Yeah. And so that just felt really healthy to me. And, and actually it feels even good as I say it out loud. I'm reminding myself. It's like, okay, Nordike, you're, you are just a dude and you screwed up. And so, okay, let's let's keep moving, yeah. right? So, yeah. I don't know. I kind of hate to end on that, but it's like... oh man. I, that, those, those are kind of the high points. Yeah. I also, one of the other things too that I really enjoy, it's probably my favorite part of Facebook, is the memories. And if you guys into the memories, yeah, like so where it's not Facebook. Oh, dude, I'm so Facebook. I, so I love the Facebook memories. Like sometimes I'll post a photo of my family or kids and it's like they do these five-year, 10-year increments. And then it just you know, shows up when you log into Facebook in the morning or whatever. And this is the one that came up for me. It's from 2015, God, seven years ago. It also makes me feel freaking old, too, when I see these things. Marcus Aurelius. So there's this quote, and it meant something to me at this time, and i was like, oh, this is good. Marcus Aurelius, 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, he was a Roman emperor, often regarded as sort of the Stoic, one of the godfathers of Stoicism, which, if you've read the book by Ryan Holiday, The Daily Stoic, The Obstacle is the Way, yeah. the silence is the key, right? What, what's yes. The one? Yeah, yep. I think silence is key or something like that. Anyways, just they're all great. Really great leadership and just web books for all of us. He, he recommends Marcus Aurelius' book, Meditations, which is actually his journal that he wrote only for himself, but it was found, it's been translated. So this is from Marcus Aurelius. So imagine he's writing this to himself. It's like he's meditating on this. He's doing his Friday morning meditation yeah, and totally. reflection time. He says, two kinds of readiness are constantly needed. And you kind of got to just sift through this old language a little bit. One, to do only what the Logos and authority and law directs. And the Logos, they think of that as like some people would call it Holy Spirit. In the ancient days, it was like this essence of the universe. Like it's kind of a leadership. universal God, like the spiritual energy that's yeah. kind of driving everything. Yeah. And, and so to, to mind that, to submit to that universal energy. And two, to reconsider your position. When someone can set you straight or convert you to his, right? Always being open to being corrected, right? Always being open to have your mind changed. Mm-hmm. But your conversion should always rest on a conviction that's right or benefits others, nothing else. Not because it's more appealing or more popular. I just thought, oh, God, that's a great, that's a, that's great a little huge reminder, this morning, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you, you know, I'm reading this as you're going through it, is, both sections so the first one says specifically with the good of human beings and mind and then of course the next section is you know with conviction or you know the benefit of others nothing else and i that totally aligns with with yeah. where the other
0: topics that we've we covered on today
1: that's yeah. that's solid man
0: okay it. well guys thank you thank yeah. you for being a part of this i mean really it, it it's an honor. Like It feels special that people tune into this stuff. And, and I hope it added value for you guys. There's a lot of ways to connect with us. If you want more, or you want to engage with us more frequently or have us work in your business or whatever, you can go to floodlightgrp.com. Check right. out the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check out Head Heart and Boots. It's a passion project of ours. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I so. you'll probably feel like crap when you listen to we, it, but we, it's we, intentional. We do, so on we do use some salty language <laughs> clearly sometimes or often or I don't know. You, you be the judge. And then lastly, a little bit of, I guess, shameless self-promotion. We, we have our digital commercial sales master course. It's at floodlightgrp.com forward slash master course, I believe. If I remember yes. right, but you can yep. certainly Google it. In fact, we'll link to it in the show notes. We have a flash sale. We're experimenting you know, with this flash sale, all these fancy social media things. 40% off through midnight tonight. So we've been running that since the 4th of July. Just kind of a fun deal there. Save some money if you're trying to grow your commercial sales. This could be a really great resource for you to coach up, train up. We want to throw that in the show notes too. The code. Just get crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll throw the code in the the comments. All right.
1: Okay. Okay, gang. We'll We'll see you.
0: See you next week. Bye. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Head, Heart, and Boots. And if you're enjoying the show, but you love this episode, please hit follow, formerly known as subscribe, write us a review or share this episode with a friend. Share it on LinkedIn, share it via text, whatever. It all helps. Thanks for listening.